glad that you're here with us. We're going to be finishing up our, our series on the book of Revelation uh, today. We're going to kind of be kind of putting a bow on it, if, if that kind of makes sense. We're going to be looking in basically uh, Revelation 21, Revelation 22, as we kind of figure out where everything kind of ends up and kind of, kind of finishes up. And um, as I was kind of thinking about the message or this week as I was putting it together, one of the things that kind of I was thinking about was um, we really don't have a complete, complete, complete picture of everything that we're going to experience at the end. Now, what we're going to be talking about this morning is kind of, is really kind of at the end. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we put a timeline up and, and after the, uh, the rapture and the, the great tribulation and the, and the thousand year reign and, and um, all that sort of stuff, we had basically basically just said eternity. What we're going to be talking about today is kind of that, that eternity that's going to go on. Now, because of the, the scope of eternity, because of all the things, we don't have all the answers. We have some answers. We have some things that kind of give us a clue of what we're looking at, but we don't have everything. And it kind of reminded me of when a couple, three, four years ago, uh, we were still in Albuquerque and my in-laws, if you don't know this, um, uh, my, my father-in-law, he's, he is a builder and basically builds a whole bunch of wonderful things. And uh, Emily always tells me about, well, we built this house and this is the house we lived in and, and I helped do this and they framed it and did all these sort of things. And so they've done this for a number of years. And, and a couple of years ago, they were getting ready to build a new house for Mike and Gina to live in and we were over at the house they were in at the time and and Gina was so excited because they had designed it and all these sort of things and and she had blueprints now it was adorably sweet that, that Gina decided and I, I did want to see it don't misunderstand me that she was going to show me the blueprints of their home and so we sat down at the kitchen table and she puts out this massive thing on the table and she's, well, here's this and then here's this and here's where the rooms are. And, and, and here's the thing about that. I have, have no idea how those things work. I am not a builder at all. I mean, I have, that was probably the one first set of blueprints I've actually, actually looked at of a house. And so she's showing me all these things and here's this room and here's the hallway and, you know, and it's got all the stuff on it that, you know, that you need to build a house. And she's showing, and I'm sitting there going, wow, that's great. And I'm trying really hard to picture in my mind what this is going to look like. And I kind of could. I could, well, there's, okay, there's a hallway and there's a room and things like that. And, and I remember those sort of things. Well, eventually, obviously, they actually took the plans, used the plans, and built the house. Now, I don't know about you, but to, to me, there is no comparison to actually being in the house that was created from the blueprints or just simply looking at the blueprints, okay? Now, what we're going to be doing today in some ways is looking at the blueprints. We're not going to have a complete, perfect understanding of where every single hall is and where every single light fixture is, but we're going to get a basic idea. But let me promise you this, it will be so much more than the blueprints. It will be so much more incredible than what we even have right now. So the things we're going to be talking about today, I want them to be an encouragement, but I also want you to understand if this makes sense, this is kind of the blueprints. We're getting a very, very small understanding of what we're going to experience, what God has for those that love him. Okay, and so we're going to kind of look at this this morning and kind of go from there. We're going to start in Revelation 21. Verses 5 through 7, we're going to read that, kind of our text for this morning, and then we're going to pray. So Revelation 21, 5 through 7 says this, And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. 
And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I'll go on to verse 7. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. And, who are victor- and all who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. I want you to remember that as we go through this. Okay? Those are victorious. Those who, remember we talked about this this entire thing. We win because God wins. Okay? We win. So all those who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. Father, as we look at the, in some ways, the end of the story, God, let it be an encouragement to us. Let it be a challenge to us. Let us, as we look at these things, be excited about what our eternal destiny is. But not just for us, Father. Help us to understand these things and know these things so that we can be a light to those that don't. Because, God, you have great things in store for your kids. We will inherit all these things. How do we inherit it, God? We inherit it because we're your kids. And we become your kids, we accept you, and you invite us into your family. So, Father, I pray that you would let this be a time of excitement, let this be a time of understanding, and, Father, I pray you'd speak through me in the name of Jesus. We love you, and we thank you. Amen. All right, so we're going to kind of look at some of the, the blueprints that we have of our eternal destiny. Now, again, I want to remind you, this is at the end of the story. The rapture, obviously, is taking place. The great tribulation is taking place. Uh, the the thousand-year millennial reign with Christ has taken place. At this point, really, in the story, Satan has been taken care of and dealt with. Uh, there has been a separation. We're going to kind of look at those things here in a little bit. But there is, this, is, this is a great place. This is a great time. This is an awesome time. And I want to share some of these ideas that the Scripture gives us uh, through, the, through, the, through John to kind of look at these things to look forward to. So the first thing I want to look at is this understanding of a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. Let's look at Revelation 21, verse number 1. It says this. John is speaking here. Then I saw... A new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Okay, if you look in your notes here, I wanted you to kind of understand as we look back at the Greek, what this word means when we say new, because we're going to be talking a lot about new things that God is going to be doing, that Jesus is going to be doing. He said in our our text this morning, I'm going to make all things new. Well, that word is basically a word that is, is kainos, and that word means fresh, new, unused, and new in character. So what this means is we're going to have something brand spanking new. I don't know if you grew up with with, with siblings and things like that. I I happen to be the oldest in my family, so I didn't have this issue. But but, but if you were a younger child, more than likely you wore hand-me-downs. Things that your older brother or sister wore and then you got or, or whatever else uh, that may happen. This is not going to be a hand-me-down. This is going to be new. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be fresh and new and unused and new in character. This idea of a new heaven and a new earth. And here's what's great about this. We have been hearing about this much, much longer even than the book of Revelation. In Isaiah 65... 
we begin to see something amazing take place as God begins to prepare his people for this new place. So in Isaiah 65, verse 17 and 19, it says this, Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Now, what do you think about that? Because we think about that a lot, don't we? Okay? When you think about heaven... Now, and you think about, you know, we think about, oh, well, well, I'm going to think about this, or I want to do that, I want to experience this. And I think we have to understand that this is something that God is creating, and we won't even think about the old ones, okay? Now, well, do I believe there will be things that we experience and see that are familiar? Absolutely. We're going to see some of those things today. But at the same time, we're not going to pine for the old earth. We're not going to go, oh boy, I really wish we were there. That is not what we're dealing with. This is what it says. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. Listen, you think about Jerusalem today. I mean, listen, I'd love to go to Jerusalem. I'd love to visit there. But honestly... I don't look at Jerusalem as a place of happiness right now. I see Jerusalem as a place of conflict, a place of, of, of war almost. It's not necessarily a happy place, if you get what I'm saying here. God's going to create it, and it's going to be an awesome place, a place of joy. Let's continue. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people, and the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No more. Let's look at 2 Peter 3. In 2 Peter 3, 13, we see again, but we are looking forward to the new heaven and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. A place that we are looking forward to, a place that's going to be amazing. This is going to, I believe, what we see in Scripture be somewhat familiar, but also be absolutely mind-blowingly awesome. Okay? So God here is going to create uh, something new. And what I thought was interesting also in Isaiah was the idea of creating. It doesn't say that God will create. It says that God is creating something. As I was studying this and I was looking at it this week, I, I, one of the uh, 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 commentaries I was looking at made the comment, something to this effect, think about the world we live in today. God did that in basically six days. We're seeing this as an ongoing creation. Think about what God could create in thousands of years. You get what I'm saying here? This is going to be a place that is awesome. This is going to be a place that is incredible. This is going to be a place that we are going to inhabit with God for all eternity. This is our forever home. Okay? I've talked to my, my, my family and, and, and one of my sisters, they're, they're in a process of, of, of they're moving and they, they moved into another place and, and she made the comment, she says, you know what, this isn't our forever home. And in fact, it was really, really adorable. My, my little niece said, you know, she's excited about their forever home. Now, obviously, they're going to move again, but you know what I'm saying, that home where they're going to be, that they're going to grow up in, this is our forever home home, this idea of a new heaven and a new earth. But now we're going to look even more specifically, okay? We're going to kind of take it from, from 30,000 feet. Now we're going to bring it down because next we learn about this new capital city. 
this new capital city. And here we actually get a much more detailed look at it. So we're going to be in Revelation 21, verse number 2. And this is what it says. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. A bride beautifully dressed. This is, this is one of those pictures that we can see from, from John that, that is like, he's trying to come up with words. How do I describe this? How do I explain something? And the best idea he could come up with was the idea of a bride on her wedding day. And he says, oh my goodness, the new Jerusalem comes. And here's what's amazing. He's seen the old one. You get it? He's seen the old one, and he's seen the things that have taken place in the old one. And he goes, oh my goodness, this place is going to be amazing. So listen, I want to look together at what is the new Jerusalem like? What is our capital city like? Okay, so we're going to look at some things that we see here that the scripture gives us. The first thing we're going to look at is the city's brilliance, its walls, its gates, and its foundation. Let's look at Revelation 21. In Revelation 21, starting with verse number 10, this is what it says. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain. You're going to see why in a minute he had to go to a great high mountain. Okay, he has to go to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper and clear as crystal. Now here we get into this. The city wall was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels and the name of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Okay, so this is gorgeous. This is beautiful. We're seeing all these things written. Let's continue. The next thing we're going to talk about is the city's dimensions. The city's dimensions. Look at Revelations 21. This is what it says, starting with verse 15. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Now think about that for a second. Okay, I, I, was, I, I, was, I, was, I was talking to Linda this week as I, I kind of gave her my notes and we were talking about the size here and I was trying to figure out how far is it from like Denver to Kansas City or, you know, what, what's, you know, she's like, I think it's, you know, from Denver to like somewhere in Wisconsin, you know, I think she said it was like 900 miles or something like that. I'm not sure exactly um, the distance here, but, but think, I mean, the city itself is going to be 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, and 1,400 miles up. This is going to be amazing. This is going to be a massive city. And I love the fact that we don't just get the width and the length, we get the up as well. We get to actually, like, like I mean... Now, now, here's the thing. You know, somebody wants to ask me, oh, Aaron, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we talk about our, our heavenly bodies. But, but he said, when, when we get to heaven, are we going to fly? 
Are we going to fly? And I, and I said, well, you know, and again, I don't want to jump ahead. I said, there's, there's, there's ways we're going to get around that we can't get around now. But I always go back to this fact that this is 1,400 miles up. I do not want to ride in an elevator that takes that long. I'm hoping that I can basically just go, you know, oh, I'm going to go visit Josh. Josh happens to live 1,200 you know, 1, miles up somewhere. And I'm going to go, you know, shoot up there as fast as I can possibly go to go visit him or something. This is going to be an incredible place. So it is huge. It's massive. It's awesome. Next, I want to talk about the beauty of the city. The beauty. Look at Revelations 21. And then again, we're going to pick up in verse number 18. It says this, okay? And I'm just going to tell you right now, there's going to be some precious stones here that, that John mentions. And we're not exactly sure what they are. Some you'll recognize immediately. We're not exactly sure what stones he's talking about here. Um, and I really am probably going to butcher the name, so I may even skip over that. So just so you know, but here it is. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second was sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx. Let's keep going there. 21, there we go. The sixth, carnel, I don't even know. The seventh, crystal soul something. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz, I got that one. The tenth, another one I don't know. The eleventh, jason. The twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold as clear as glass. This is going to be gorgeous. This is going to be absolutely beautiful. And, and I want you to remember something here, okay? Let's think about this, because sometimes we, we need to understand, and this is going to sound maybe weird, what the scripture is also saying by what it's saying because it's not necessarily saying this, okay? Does it make sense? It doesn't. I know it will in a second. The gates are made of a pearl, a single pearl. Now, we think a pearl is, is valuable, okay? In God's kingdom, a pearl is building material. Do you understand what I just said? Okay? The gate, when you look at what they're made of, this is built, this is asphalt in the kingdom of God. This is brick, this is cinder blocks in the kingdom of God. Okay? This is, you know, we go, oh, wow, that's so beautiful. Listen, what, what are our dwelling places going to look like? What are they going to be made of? All we're getting is basically this idea of, hey, because this is construction material of God's kingdom. Hey, that, 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 that emerald there, isn't that beautiful? Yes, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's a wall. That's, that's stonework. Who knows what else we're looking at? This is going to be beautiful. But we also need to also look at something different, not just, just what these things are, but what is actually missing from the city. What's missing from the city? And this is important that we understand these things. What's missing? The first thing, there is no temple. Look at Revelation 21, 22. I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now you got to remember, this is massive at this time. 
Okay, this is a huge deal. In John's time, and, and obviously before that and much after that, you had a temple in every city. And in this city, there is no temple. There is nothing. And here's the thing you need to understand. I don't believe in some ways that there is no temple. There is no place. But the temple has not been removed. It has been expanded. And what I mean is, is now at this point, everything and every place is holy and a dwelling place of God. We don't need a temple anymore. We don't, listen, hear, hear me. I know it's a little different than it was back then. We don't need a church building anymore. We don't need one now, if you get what I'm saying, because God is everywhere. But here we see there's no need for a temple. God's presence is everywhere. His holiness is everywhere. We, we enjoy it at all times, in all places. This was unheard of at John's time. But here, it's no more. And I'm not even getting into the concept of the Old Testament and the Jewish temple and the, the Holy of Holies and, and the separation here. But here, there's no temple. Next, there's no sun and there's no moon. Okay? And the city had no need of a sun or moon. For the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb is its light. You remember when Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and he spends time with God? What happens to him when he comes down? He, he lights up like a Christmas tree. He has to wear a veil because he's blinding people. God's radiance and glory is so awesome and so amazing. We don't need sun anymore. We don't need a moon anymore. We just have God there that's taking care of that. And because of that, we have another natural one. No night. No night. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. There's no night. Now, now here's the thing. I, I, sometimes when we talk about this stuff, you get people that get a little like, oh, well, wait a minute. I like nighttime. I like, I like that. I like, you know, the, you know, and, and here's the thing. Some people don't necessarily like nighttime, but they love sunset and sunrise, okay? Let me remind you of something. He's making all things new. He's restoring it all. Can, I, can, can you hear me here? Okay? I don't know what if we're going to have sunset, sunrise, whatever, but I promise you this, you won't even miss it. God will do something different, more amazing, but there is no night. We don't see that concept. Next, oh, this is a great one, no evil. No evil. Look at Revelation 21, 27a. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter. Now listen, I don't know about you, when I think about evil, I'll be honest, I kind of think of the major stuff. But listen, it's more than just the major stuff. You know, you ever had somebody do something for you and, 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 and your, your response is, what do you want? What are your motives? Listen, in our city, in our end time, there will never be a wrong motive. There will never be a word of gossip. There will never be something evil. There, there won't be lies and there won't be the little white ones. They will, it will all be pure. It will all be true. It will all be awesome. There will be absolutely no evil. And the final one, and one that we really need to understand, there will also be no unbelievers. No unbelievers. Look at Revelations 21, 27. And those whose names... Uh, this is basically saying what's not going to be there. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Listen, I, I want to have a talk with you really quickly about something. And it, it, was, it was several years ago, okay? 
it was several years ago, but I still think it's, it's, it can be on people's minds and, and hearts. And this concept and this thought that and it had a lot of fancy names, and we're not going to get into the names, but this idea that God's, the separation that, that people that don't accept Jesus are going to have is not a permanent thing, and it's not a, a everlasting thing, okay? We're seeing here something interesting. It, it's not saying, you know, for a time, those individuals will not be allowed in. It's saying forever. There will be no unbelievers. And I don't say that to rejoice in that. I say that to remind us that we need to make sure we're doing everything we can to get people to come with us. Okay? This is, this is you know, you, you're going on a vacation and you go, boy, I wish so-and-so was with me. I wish we're going to Disney World or wherever. I wish they were here with me. I, or we're going to do this. This is going, it, we have to do all we can to take as many people with us to experience it. Because the bottom line is this, those whose names are not written in this book of life, they won't be there. They won't be there. So now that we talked about what isn't, let's talk about what is in the city. What is in the city? And we get even more of an awesome understanding. The first thing we see is a river from the throne of God and the Lamb. Look at Revelation 22. It says this, Then the angel showed me a river, with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. It flowed down the center of Main Street. Okay? We see this beautiful river flowing right through the middle of the street, right through this city. It's this massive place that goes straight through. And then there's something even more incredible than just the river. And the next thing is what's growing around it. It's the tree of life. It's the tree of life. Look at Revelations 22, 2b. It says, on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. So here we see this idea of, of, of trees of life literally down, the, down on either side being fed by this river. And we see fruit, we see crops, we see things growing out. Can you imagine what they're going to taste like? And yes, we'll talk about it in a second. We're going to eat stuff, okay? This is going to be beautiful and amazing. But where does this tree of life come from? We need to understand. We're going to go back to Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, we see something take place and, and understanding this is what we need to get here this this new place this restoration that God's going to do is important that we catch it Genesis 3 22 through 24 says this then the Lord God said this is after Adam and Eve have fallen look the human beings have become like us knowing both good and evil what if they reach out take fruit from the tree of life and eat it what if that happens now then they will live forever. So think about that for a second. What's the concern of God? They have eaten from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God says, listen, we cannot have them eat from the tree of life. If they do, they're going to live forever. Okay? They're going to do that. So the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden. And he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he'd been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim to the east of the Garden of Eden. And he placed a flaming sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Sin separates. But here at the end, here at the end, guess what? There's no angel guarding the tree anymore. 
There's no sword that's keeping us. You know what I believe we're going to be able to do? We're going to walk up. Walk right up. And enjoy the tree of life. It's going to be on the banks of this. So, so where before there's separation, where there's before there's sin and there's rebellion and there's you can't have this. Now, now God has said, come on in. Come on in and enjoy these things. So there's going to be many, many, many other things. But again, these are just the blueprints. The final thing I want to talk about is a new way of life. A new way of life. Look at Revelations 21, verses 3 and 4. It says this, And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. You know what I hate about death? I hate goodbyes. I hate goodbyes. My son is, you know, they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And the one thing I know about my son is he hates goodbyes. We go visit Grammy and Granddad, or we go visit Grandma and Grandpa, or we go visit cousins and, and, and all those things. And you know what happens when it's time to go? He cries. And we don't say, oh, you, no, you shouldn't cry. No, that's not. No, no, we let him cry. Because it's okay to cry. It's okay to hurt at goodbyes. This world is constantly a world of goodbyes. But this world, there'll be no more goodbyes. There will be no more tears. There will be no reason for those things because those things are gone forever. Those things are gone forever. Look at Revelations 22, verse number 3. No longer will there be a curse upon anything. You realize that, right? You realize that right now, as beautiful as this world is, as awesome as it can be, we are living under a curse. We're living under a curse. But then there will be no more curse. There will be no more curse at all. And we will be able to live in a way that is without curse. What does curse bring? Curse brings death. It brings separation. It brings shame. It brings guilt. It brings all those things. But you know what? Now the curse is been defeated. We don't worry about it anymore because it's gone. Those old things have passed away. And behold, all things are new. And not only that, but now... We are with God. I love that we see in the scripture that God comes down to dwell with us. He comes down. He's with us. He's a part of it. He is our God and we are his people. And you go, well, aren't we that now? I Absolutely we are that now. But I think what we're trying to see here, what God's trying to get us to understand is in this place, we will experience a new level of relationship with him. A closeness and an intimacy and a union with him that really we can, we can begin to experience now. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome. A couple last things I want to look at, because I know as we talk about these things, these are things that people wonder and they think about, and they're exciting to talk about. 
what, are, what will our bodies be like? You know, I mean, I don't know about you, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing something that, that my body was not created to live forever. It's, it's beginning to hurt in places and do things. And, and so, so the question I want to know is, as well is what our body's going to be like. Now, we're not going to get into everything to this morning, but we're going to look at a couple things. So what will our bodies be like? Let's look at Philippians 3.20. In Philippians 3.20 and 21, it says this, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under control, will transform our lowly bodies. I don't know about you, I need a transformation of my lowly body, okay? So that they will be like his glorious body. Now again, please understand as we go through this, this is a blueprint. This is not the entire thing, but we do know our bodies will be like his. So if we're going to figure out what his body, what our bodies are going to be like, we need to ask a simple question. What was Jesus's resurrected body like? What was Jesus's like? We see a little bit of this. We, again, don't have it all, but we have a little bit. And we see in these stories, if you're interested in really looking a little bit deeper, these stories are found in Luke 24 and John 20. These are stories after Jesus has died, been resurrected, and now he's with his disciples before he ascends into heaven. So there's a couple things I want to focus in on that we can know our bodies will be like because Jesus's are. Number one, it eats and drinks. It eats and drinks. Jesus asks during in Luke, he asks, can I have a piece of that fish? He takes it and he eats it. He says in other scriptures, hey, I'll, I'll enjoy the fruit of the vine later on. Okay? Because Jesus eats and drinks, we'll eat and drink. Now, will we eat and drink because we need that to survive? Absolutely not. We will eat and drink for the pure enjoyment of that. Okay? The pure enjoyment. Now, think about it for a second. And I've talked about this before. You have taste buds. Taste buds don't do anything for you to keep you alive. It simply makes your food taste. Okay? Now, that's, that, what is that? That's, that's a little glimpse of eternity. Now, can you stop here for a second? Can you imagine how sensitive our taste buds will be in our glorified bodies? You ever, you ever met somebody that's like, oh, you know, they're, they're one of those foodies? I am not one of those people. But they'll, they'll make something and, and oh, I, well, I, I taste this and I taste that. And I have this. And I'm just like, I taste beef, you know. That's what I taste. Or I, I, that's an asparagus. I taste asparagus, you know. I, I may, when, when, when it makes it really good, you know, with a little bit of garlic, I maybe can taste that. But can you imagine the taste buds we're going to have there? Can you imagine the food we're going to enjoy? Next, it has flesh and bones. Jesus says in Luke, he says, listen. Because they think he's a ghost. They think, oh, it's a ghost. Just listen, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like I have. Now, what does that look like? How will that be? Will that be like what we experience here? I don't know. But Jesus says it. Well, I think he's really meaning here is this idea, at least this is me, this is Aaron thinking, talking, is, you know, we think about our heavenly bodies. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, see-through, where we can be like, I just went through, you know, John's, you know, chest. I think there's going to be something there. Do I know exactly what it's? I don't. But we feel like Jesus says, hey, I got flesh and bones. Thomas is able to put his finger in Jesus' side and see scars. There's going to be something substantial 
We don't exactly know what it is. And then the really cool thing, it has new capabilities. Now, I could have got into like certain things, you know, and I just said capability. We, we don't know all this stuff. I, I do know this. The door is locked and Jesus appears. Okay? They're hiding out. They're, 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 oh my goodness. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, hey guys, I love that. You know, we talked about this before. I think that's a really a point of, of Jesus's humor and his, and his personality. I love that Jesus is like, hey, 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 watch this. You know, they're all there. They don't know where I'm at. Ta-da! Here I am, you know. And what's his response? Peace be with you, you know. I don't know about you because that would scare me half to death. But Jesus just appears. Jesus simply disappears. Jesus has amazing capabilities. I don't know all we're going to have. All I know is it's going to be greater than what we can do today. I don't know. I, I always think about it this way. When I'm like on a really long hike or a really long bike ride and my body is tired and I'm like, I still have this amount of miles to go or whatever. I'm like, you know, it's going to be really hard in those moments not to just be like, you know, transform or transplant myself over here and, and I'm done. It's going to be amazing. So we're going to have brand new capabilities. And the final thing I want to talk about is, but what will we actually do? Okay, what will we actually do? You know, because eternity is a long time. And I know a lot of people, they have this view of eternity and, and the end of kind of like people are sitting there on a cloud with a harp. And that is not what we see. That's not what we see. Now, how do we figure out to an extent, remember blueprint, what we're going to be doing. Well, my thought is to go back to the first Eden, the first thing God created, to get an idea of what we're going to be doing to an extent in the new earth, and the new heaven. So we're going to look at Genesis 1, 26 through 31. This is what it says. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Now, I want you to hold on to that for a second. We're going to continue. We're going to kind of jump back to that concept of being like us, okay? They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings, again, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. It's like God saying, I want you to pay attention to this, understand this, catch this. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Let's continue on. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along on the ground. Let's go. There you go. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food, and I have given you every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry around on the ground. God really likes the scurrying around the ground animals. Everything that has life. And that is what happened. And now we see an awesome verse in 31. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Very good. What are we going to do when we're in heaven? Well, I think the first thing we need, it, 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 we're, we're going we're gonna to reign, and we'll talk about that in a second. Okay? But what we see here, a very clear idea, is we are created in God's image. When we see God, we are created in his image. Now, what that means is multiple. 
It is obviously the concept of us, God being spirit, and we are spirit. We have a soul that will, that, that will be in experiencing all these things. But I think we also understand the idea of God's attributes being attributes that we should have. We see this today. So what are we going to be doing? As I was looking at this, trying to kind of put a bow on it, what are we going to be doing? I I think the easiest way to put it is this. We're going to be doing exactly what God has always created us to do. We're going to be creative. We're going to experience learning. We're going to learn a lot. We're going to share a lot. We're going to experience the life that God always dreamed for us to have. Listen, I know some of you very well. Let me help you out with this, okay? I believe that the things that God has placed in your heart today are things that are going to only magnify when you get into your heavenly body. Meaning, meaning, and I'm, gonna, uh, I'm not going to pick on this individual because I don't want to be picked on later, but I'm just going to use him as an example. I know that Alan loves to build. He loves, I've been into his garage and his shop and he's got all these tools that would, would you know, cut your arm off if you look at it funny. Can, I, 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 listen, you know what Alan is going to do in heaven? I believe, or in the new heaven and new earth, he's going to continue to build. Can you imagine the things that he is going to build? Alan, listen, man, I want something. I don't know what it is because I, I have no idea, but you've got to build me something because it's going to be incredible. John is a musician. John plays guitar. John, can you imagine the guitars you're going to have in heaven? Can you imagine how amazing we're going to see people that that have taken those gifts? What what do we see in Scripture? This idea of, of what God has given you and then being used in even greater ways. What 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 do you what listen? What do you know is a passion of yours that God has placed in your heart? Whatever it is, you're going to do it in the new heaven and a new earth at a level and in an excellence you've, you've, you've never seen before. I know, I know that Gordon, he loves to cook. He, he made me this, um, this smoked pork and it was really, really good. Listen, he is going to cook in heaven. I don't know what he's going to make, but it's going to be amazing. Our, listen, eternity is not you sitting on a cloud, passing the eons. Ding, 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 ding. Is there going to be worship? Absolutely. I believe all of it is. Somebody said, are we going to worship in heaven forever? And I said, absolutely. I sure hope so. And their response was, oh, but I don't necessarily like that music. And then I'm like going, you don't understand worship. You don't understand worship because worship is more than a song or a song service. Worship is Alan creating something with the knowledge and the help that God's given him. Worship at times is Gordon creating something and using the gifts and the talents that he's been given that are only going to increase. We're going to be like God. We're going to be made in his image. God loves to create. God loves to love. God loves all these things. Do I know all that we're going to do? Absolutely not. But I promise you this, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to be awesome. And then the final thing is the worship team wants to come on up. Revelations 22, 5b. And they will reign forever and ever. One of the things that we're going to do is we're going to rule and reign. We're going to rule and reign. Just just like Adam and Eve, they were commanded to rule over the things that God has created. Guess what? That's what we're going to do as well. 
But again, it's not going to be, I mean, we have to understand, you know, when we talk about ruling and reigning and power and all those things, those, are, those, are, those can be dirty words. Those can be things that are taken advantage of and people can be taken advantage of, but not here. Not here. So we're going to be busy. We're going to be worshiping. We're going to be worshiping not only in a ways that we would understand as far as being in front of the throne and, and, and worshiping in song and dance and all those types of things, but also worshiping in what we do. Worshiping in our work. All those things. And again, this isn't, you gotta, you, you got to get your mindset out of old earth thinking when it comes to these things. Oh, I don't want to work. Oh, no, no, no. I use that word because I don't know of one to explain it any better. It's not going to be work like you experienced today. Remember, all things new. All things new. It's going to be glorious. And I want us all to be there. But here's the thing. As we wrap up all of this, as we finish out this series, and, and I've really enjoyed sharing these things with you and looking at these things but, but there really is a situation here that we need to understand. I've talked about the fact that we win because God wins. Well, how, how does that happen? We win because we're on the right team. And it's not real hard to look out into our world today and see a lot of people that aren't on the right team. And I don't say that as judgmental. I, I say that as an individual like all of us that have some good news to share we have some hope to share because God, bottom line is as we looked at it very very beginning this is coming it's coming folks I don't know when I wish I wish I'd be so cool but I can't I wish I could be like oh well this is, this is when it is all I can tell you is it's coming. I can stand on that authority and promise because God has spoken that in that authority and that promise. And listen, it would be foolish of me to spend all this time talking about what's coming, talking about either eternal separation or eternal intimacy with God without taking a moment to help us to focus on something. And that's this. I believe that God has placed every single one of us here, online, in a strategic place. And a lot of times we get this idea, oh, there's just too many. It's just too hard. How can I really bring, make a difference? How can I do all these things? And, and listen, I think it's time that we just kind of slow, slow down and take a step back and start with one. Just one. Just one. Because here's the thing. If we can minister to one, if we can lead one, if we can help one, and then that person goes and they find their one, and then we move on to our next one. That becomes multiplication. That becomes a situation where one person over time can literally affect thousands of people. 
There was 120 when the Holy Spirit fell. 120 with God's help and a belief in what they were doing, knowing that it was the truth, knowing, look at the New Testament, look at Acts, the good news. They knew they had good news. And they were literally called the people that turned the world upside down. And they did it by walking. They did it by sharing. They did it by eating together and loving each other and taking care of each other's needs. Listen, the tools we have today are incredible. The tools that we have in this moment are greater than any tools the world has ever seen as far as reaching people for Jesus. Now is not the time to be silent. Now is not the time to cower in the corner. Now is the time to say, you know what, God? Place one on my heart. Place one person that I can make a difference in. Place one person that I know you need me to help, that you need me to minister to, that you need me to share the good news with. And Father, don't let me leave that individual until you release me. Let me be a little stubborn. Let me love them until they're sick of me loving them. Let me have that type of fortitude because this is good news and we want them to fall. We want them to be there. We want them to be on the right team. So what we're going to do is we close. I know I'm a little long and I apologize, but I think this is important. As we close this entire series, for those that are home, online, and those that are here, I want everybody to be a part of this. I'm going to ask you, and I will pray with you and for you, that God would place the one. The one. And this is not about building this church. This is not about necessarily getting them to come here, even though if that happens, awesome, great. This is about building the kingdom of God. So you go, well, I'm watching from this place, right? I don't live in Colorado. It's okay. You can build the kingdom of God no matter where you're at. But I pray and I want you to join with me to focus in on that one. And once that one has come, then we can move on to another. But let's not let the large situation that we face keep us from our one. All right? So let's pray together. I'm going to pray over you. Then the worship team is going to come. Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, whether people are are watching this today or three months from now or three years from now, it doesn't matter. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would illuminate in our hearts the one. The one. And that, Father, we would be stubborn and love them to death. We would share your love with them. We would share the good news with them. We wouldn't be afraid or what will they think or what will they do. Listen, this is good news and this isn't an if, this isn't a maybe, this is coming. And man, it seems like it's coming quick. And it is time. Jesus, you said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And God, that means not only are the workers few, but there's workers that aren't working because they think the problem is too big or they think they can't be used, all of which are lies from the pit of hell. 
So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would illuminate the one. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's, it's, it's a, a co-worker or somebody at school. I don't know who it is. God, you do. But God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would show them that individual right now. Right now. Burn it in their hearts and in their minds right now. And Father, as you are doing that, I pray for us a, 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 a commitment to be about our Father's business. A commitment to do what we need to do. To share your love, your grace, and your mercy with that one. And Father, I pray for that one right now. That you would open their heart. That you would prepare their heart to receive the good news that we are going to bring to them. Help us, Father. Anoint us, Father. Put the words in our mouth and the actions in our bodies to do what you called us to do. You're so good. We love you so much. Let's all stand. John and the worst team are going to come and lead us in a closing chorus. So great is our God. Sing with me bring the bigger things okay so let's start with the small things let's start with one then as we're faithful in that you know what then maybe God will begin to expand that maybe maybe he'll say okay you can handle two or you can handle three whatever all I'm saying is this we got to start with one we got to start with that and as we're faithful God will be faithful to us and continue 
to expand our borders, continue to use us in mighty ways. But let's take that step together this morning and let's get our one for Jesus, for Him, for He is worthy and glorious. And we agree with John. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. But don't come until we've done all that you've called us to do. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for those that are online that are a part of our service. We love you. We miss you. We hope we see you soon. And for everybody else, I hope you have a great week. Love you. We'll talk to you soon.